Hey yo, what's going on world? And welcome to another episode of the Manly D's Podcast. Episode 2, we in here, you know what's going on. Um, this is a space where we have straight barbershop talk for the fellas that bridges the gap between manhood and society. I'm your host, Melly Mel, and join with me as always. We got Husky and Bearded. We got my man Drew in the building. Talk to the people, Drew. Talk to the people, Drew. <laughs> you just sitting there not talking. This is an intro. I'm intro you. You ain't saying nothing. You're just sitting back, not saying nothing. You act like the people on the podcast can see you, man. Hey, what's going oh, on, everybody? Something. I ain't got no intro for y'all today. My man's sitting back like a visiting pastor, just letting me say whatever I say before he come up. <laughs> we got my man, Life Coach Lace in the building. Talk to the people, Lace. Hey, man, you already know what time it is. We on the night, man. Glad to be here. Glad and to be here. And you know we got your boy, T.Roy, a.k.a. Troy. Talk to the people, man. It's your boy, Troy. <laughs> Yo, so I'm already like, I'm geeked up. The session before this, you know, really kind of put me in a good mood. Uh, the week's been rough. It's been long. I ain't going to lie to you. <clears throat> been a lot of things, you know, personally going on in the world, in my house and all that. So this is just, you know, to be on the mic with y'all tonight and relax and just talk how I want to talk. Uh, definitely going to put me in good spirits. We'll talk about it. What happened? What's going? What's been going on? Well, no, you know, share like, with I'm, the people. Yeah, I'm sure the people, people want to know what's your problems. I'm sure people tired of hearing about you know the whole vaccine talk and all that type of stuff. Mm. But you know, COVID is real, and I just want to say, you know, this past weekend I lost my uncle to COVID. <coughs> oh, bro, I'm sorry to hear that, man. No, it's 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 all good, man. But uh, you know, it, it's real. He uh refused to take the vaccine. You know, I, I'm not a you know, anti-vax or anything like that, but, you know, a little up, or up, not upper, but up in age. So, you know, it's really more important for him to do so, and he just didn't. So, you know, he paid the cost for it. And, uh, you know, our family's straight. <clears throat> My mom, you know, she's been taking it, you know, as good as she can take it and stuff like that. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's real out here. <clears throat> what about y'all, though? Yeah, that's real. Yeah. That's real. I've lost... Um now, I personally did not lose anyone to COVID, but uh, on my side of the family, but on my wife's side of the family, she actually lost uh, two cousins, one, and they died mm. with, like within a week's time of each other. So, mm. um, yeah, of COVID complications. So, yeah, man, and they were up in age, and this was before the vaccine actually was rolled out. So, yeah, man. But we still got to do a better job as a community in educating ourselves. You know, I know there's a historical precedent for you know distrust in medicine however um you know it's disproportionately impacting communities of color and so we just have to do a better job you know speaking of men of educating the folks around us um on why it's pertinent to take the vaccine yeah as, Drew? As, yeah 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 as, as most uh marginalized communities have have struggled with uh, this information processing, uh, but I think we do have to take it upon ourselves to educate ourselves and make sound choices. You know what I mean? Um, in my realm of work, a lot of people have just refused to take it, but I'm like, okay, if you look at the science behind it, you must not take Tylenol, you must not take aspirin. You so there's a lot of things that we just uh, do just because the masses have said, or oh, something you know, something that you should without doing our own research. Um, so yeah. I do think that's a, a rich opportunity. Um, condolences to you and your family, though. Good brother. Yeah. Uh, Drew, you you were an early adopter to the vaccine, if I'm not mistaken. Say that one more time, what you mean? You, you were an early uh, adopter. Like one of the first people to get the vaccine, or, you know, early adoption? 
Um, First in line. I'll be honest, you know, I really was not necessarily pressed to take the vaccine because I wanted the opportunity to be able to do my own research on it. But, um, you know, I I didn't want to necessarily have a spirit of Cain. And at the time I was living with my folks. And so um, what I didn't want to happen is, is Mm. me, you know, being young, being able to fight back will bring it, you know, potentially something dangerous to the home. So -hmm. because I was working with the homeless population at the time, uh, the Department of Health in Virginia offered it to be first because they viewed me as a first responder. So um, I did it more so um, out of a selfless act, not for myself, but my, for my folks. Yeah. There you yeah, have I it, bro. That. Selfless I, um, act. Selfless act. <clears throat> yeah, I ain't going to lie. Originally, I was one of the, not, I ain't going to call myself an anti-vaxxer, but I just, I didn't have enough information about it. I thought they created this vaccine too quickly. And, you know, I really didn't know that it was pretty much a combination of things that we already had you know, in labs, and they kind of just found the right recipe to put all that stuff together. And so originally, I was just like, I don't know, they did that kind of fast, so I don't know if I'm going to jump in line. Um, but once I figured that out, uh, or was educated in that, and then took into account, like, Drew, some of my people, some of the challenges, my dad had a, a battle with cancer, prostate cancer not too long ago. Um, so just underlying health mm-hmm. issues for other relatives made me just, you know, want to do it, not just for me to protect them, you know. So um, I actually got my booster shot on Sunday. I had already got the vaccine and me and uh, Sharita actually both went and got our boosters on Sunday. And we've been, you know, trying to debate on if we're going to get the kids done now that the Pfizer is available and all that. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I really think people should just take it more seriously. I was kind of already, I'm not going to say kind of, I was already taking it seriously before, you know, the news about my uncle just because I've seen other people's experience. But, mm-hmm. you know, even now it just makes it, you know, more real. So, yeah, man. I keep I keep it a hundred with you. I did not take it seriously at first, bro. I was out. I was making jokes, all types of stuff. Like I had a thread of jokes on Facebook, and then like somebody died of, and I was like, "Oh snap, this joint might be for real, for real." Yeah. Um, and then, um, and then my wife got on my head. She was just like, "Hey, you can't be out and about around people just all willy nilly like that. Like this thing is real," and I didn't believe her. Um, and then I was like, "All right." Out of your concern, I am going to be the first one of us two to get this shot because I want to be around people as much as I can or not be as a let me put it this way, not be as afraid to be around people um, uh, by not having any form of like protection and stuff like that sure, of a vaccine. Sure. No, that's real. I mean, for me coming from New York. New York was a different beast, you know what I mean? So if, if you didn't have it, you won't go into no stores. You won't get mm-hmm. access yeah, to, um, you know, essentials that you need on a day-to-day basis. So uh, it was it was one of those situations where very swiftly in line, got that thing. Um, so it was ironic for me coming to Virginia and North Carolina to see people walking around, you know, how it's been politicized. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to an extent where up top it was a, it was the norm, you know what I mean? If you didn't have it, you didn't go to work. If you didn't have it, you couldn't be in Target and Kroger and those types of things. So it was vastly different coming back down south, seeing how it was being handled, if you will. So that's real, and the politi- politicization of it. Yeah, that sounds like Florida. Um, you know, Blake. I didn't take it seriously until Blake got the variant. Um, it was a little bit. I thought, you know. He might end up checking out. So that's when I took it seriously. But he told me, like, while in Florida, you know, there's never been a very, like, heavy mask presence or anything like that. Like, cats have been operating as if nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's real. That's real. When I went to visit my folks, um, matter of fact, last Christmas, uh, came down from New York to visit my folks, and I'm walking in, in the Berg. I walk in Target. I'm like, yo, nobody got mask on. Like, what, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what y'all doing? And you know what I'm saying? So it, it was, it's real. It's definitely real. And the thing is, we have to keep in mind too that it's still going on. And a lot of time, I mean, we with a lot of folks outside now. When you know, what I mean, making a lot of moves, etc. But it's still going on around us. So you gotta gotta strap up. You know what I mean? And you bro, put, you put worse in your body, so you might as well get the vax. You know what I'm saying? You okay, bro. That's what I be saying. And bro, you was up in Target wearing your mask. They won't wear a mask, and they was like, looking at you like, like you was exactly. great. <laughs> like look at him wearing this mask, on, bro. <laughs> look at him wearing this mask. I say, yo, I'm from New York City, man. We we strap up. <laughs> You heard about Ray and Claude, Claude and Ray? You hear about right? <laughs> they can tell by the way I walk. I ain't from around here. Um, but no, yeah, seriously. So you know, it's been a weekend. It was still, you know, it's still a good weekend. Uh, pretty chill. You know, other than that, um, I took a took part in some white people activities this weekend. Um, and what I mean by white people activities is uh, I took is my wife this? out. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna get to it. Tell us yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I dabbled in. It I'm this intrigued. I, I took my wife axe throwing this weekend, oh, which wow. is okay. uh, which is definitely white people activity. And I <laughs> the learned the first that lumberjack was black. For though. Sure, hey you, Troy. Come on, that now. sound kind of ho teppy. Uh, I don't know if that's real. Hey, bro, <laughs> let me tell you the the two things that I did not have that I feel like I needed to be there: uh, a lighter complexion and flannel. Um, everyone mm, in there, you definitely to be need a that lot flannel. More, yeah, everyone in there seemed to be a lot more skilled than I. And uh, I immediately felt uncomfortable. The, the the gentleman was trying to show me how to throw the axe. I thought it was going to be easy. I didn't seen it on TV. I'm up that joint flanking my wrist thinking I'm just going to get it to stick. My axe flying all over the place. You an uh, athlete. Young lady you like, I'm an athlete. <laughs> Yo, I thought I was going to be able to walk in that joint and do it. You know, I stuck it out. <clears throat> but it was definitely, you know, definitely an experience. So uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if I would go back to, to do some more axe throwing. But it, it was definitely an experience. Speaking of speaking of activities that um, the others do, um, I think that would fall in line with. Uh, I, I think that would fall in line with an escape room experience. Like I'm not getting locked hey, up. No, nah, bro. An escape room. No, no, nah, bro. I, I ain't gonna let you carry that one. Escape rooms is for everybody. Damn, for everybody. I can't see it. Bro. Fire. I, I got I got 400 years of research that I can't I can't but see. It it is, it is, <laughs> Hey, the Negro I'm not gonna let you get the drop on me again. I can't yo, do it, bro. It depends on what type to... of escape room you choose, though. That's what makes it for you or not when you go up. Hey, bro, there. a Negro was in the first escape room called slavery. <laughs> trying to saying. get to the north. <laughs> exactly. Yo. Exactly. Yo, how's we gonna get across this river? <laughs> so, so if you don't mind me asking. Uh, Mel B, how did how did the how did the outcome from the axe throwing? How, I mean, how did you feel about your performance? Did you rise to the top or was it mediocre? Man, it was definitely mediocre. I ain't gonna cap. I ain't gonna act like I was out there. Uh, hey, that's honesty, right there. Yeah, that's I ain't gonna act like I was the black lumberjack out that joint. It took me about a good. We only could rent for an hour, right? It took me about a good forty-five minutes to even get to the point where I could get my axe to land where it was supposed to land or whatever. Mm. So, um, it was it was a technique to it. And I, I couldn't really get it down all the way, but <clears throat> no, it was it was all right. My my wife seemed to be pleased to try to do something outside the box, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. That's so, what's up, you know. 
And that's what it is, man. I feel like in marriage is is trying new things because we we do the dinner, the movie, and uh, yeah, the dinner and the movie all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what else can you do? You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's what it is. That's marriage is. activities. Um, so no, man. Let's let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and get into it uh, before we burn up all our time, man. I know last week. Uh, we dug, uh, I ain't going to say very deep, but we dug a little deep into uh, defining manhood and what that actually means, you know, and really talking about uh, the goalposts being moved and what it's like to to navigate man, uh, manhood and just evolve in general. So, you know, this week I kind of want to expound on that and just get into some other areas <clears throat> of manhood that I also feel like are relative, uh, kind of relate to that same subject, <clears throat> starting first with, you know, really trying to dive into or define necessarily what success is for manhood like what does success look like what does a successful man have what are some of his components what does it take to be successful as a man so i know that this success has a lot of different definitions and meanings for different people so it might not be this one size fits all you know type of thing because we all have different goals different objectives and things like that so for a long time um i think Similar to defining manhood for myself, success was this vague thing. How do you determine if you're successful? Is it, you know, if I have a lot of possessions, is it, am I successful once I attain a certain level of status? You know, is it having having as many women as I can have or juggle? You know, uh, what does that really look like? <clears throat> and I think, again, it's going to be different for a lot of people. But for me, I'm going to first say that I think a part of what success looks like as a man is achieving whatever goals that it may be that you have for yourself personally so mm. um and i'll just use something tangible for example for me um since i struggled in high school and then kind of dwindled in my first part of college when i went back like in my middle 20s success for me was being able to see that process through like finishing get my degree like being able to stick to one thing so i determined that was you know successful for me it was definitely a big turnaround compared to where i had been and what i had been doing so that was like the first step you know and then putting down all these things that i wanted on a piece of paper and saying that by this 30 years old i say by 30 years old i'm gonna have all these things done and when i got to 30 i did everything that i had on my list so i was like uh I got to be successful at this point because, you know, I didn't have no no more up from there. Uh, so I would say at the most basic level, I feel like we could at least start with achieving the goals that you have set for yourself. You know, uh, growing up in Martinsville, maybe Drew. Uh, so for the listeners who don't necessarily know this, me and Drew grew up in the <coughs> same um, same city, same county. One of the goals that everyone had for themselves is to have a Honda Accord. That sat on 22s <laughs> and you made more than $10 an hour. If you had those three things, a Honda Accord that had 22s on it and you made more than $10 an hour, bro, that was life. Uh, and sadly, over a course of time, I was like, but there has to be more than life. And I'm thankful that I was able to get out of my city to realize that it was more than life than just having that like. One thing that I didn't even realize outside of my city was that two people can be married and live together for longer than a few years. <laughs> because from from because from around our way, your mama lived on this side of the county and your and your and your daddy lived on the other side of the county if they lived in the same county. So to be able to see that for me, that was uh that was amazing and it was uh 
uh, it was awesome for for me. So, um, to for one point at one point in my life, um, having a having stability in a family, like a actual family structure, was a goal that I wanted to have and maintain because there had been people uh, before me that either got out of their marriage and their family, or they were in their marriage. And they were just miserable, just just waiting, mm. just waiting for the fourth quarter clock to just wind out and say, "Death, please take me uh, uh, <laughs> to death do us part." Literally, <laughs> um, and so uh, that was definitely one of the ones for me is just having stability in family. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, we are at work right now, currently defining what a success look like for the agency. Um, and it's kind of funny, you know, Mel brought this topic up because, you know, what I asked the board and, you know, the team was we all have different uh, ideologies on what success looks like. So how are we going to be able to come to a consensus on what the strategic plan looks like if success looks like something different for everyone? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the success for an individual is based upon their foundation. You know, one of the things I've been doing recently is, you know, thinking about my privilege. And so. Success to me was doing more than what my folks did. Um, So it wasn't necessarily about college or anything like that. Um, It was really just to get out of the veil. You know, if I got out of Martinsville, then I was a success, you know. And so when Blake uh, went from Radford, then he went straight to Georgia. And then he was, you know, my folks were like, yo, come back home. He was like, nah, I'm going to New York. He was a success. You know, he was struggling, but he was a success because he was like, yo, I'm not going back to what's easy. You know, I'm not going back to the uh, paid road. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's real. That's real. Um, for me, it was a little different. So <laughs> I know Drew just mentioned privilege. Obviously, we all have a lens of privilege in the way that, you know, we were brought up and some things that we did that that we that were lacking, per se. Uh, but for me, I always knew I would be successful just to know what that looked like. Um, so utilizing the skill sets given obviously learn from a foundational standpoint um seeing how my parents moved etc uh that was the the foundation but navigating what success looked like i had no idea you know what i mean so mm-hmm. seeing that pathways were given to me um and walking in purpose understanding um who i am what i represent um and a calling over you you, you don't necessarily know what that looks like. And I know we always give biblical references and stuff like that. Had them cats did not know what they were doing. They were learning. They were learning on the learning fly as they went. Um, and ultimately, they made sound impact and, and critical changes uh, around them and impacted the folks that they connected with. So that's kind of uh, a part of my journey. But I always try to focus on, you know, awareness, advocacy, um, using my agency as well as accountability or or aspects of success that I strive to incorporate in my day to day to continue to forge forward in what success looks like. Mm-hmm. So I like what you said there uh, just a few seconds ago, Lace, you said that you always knew that you were going to be successful. You just didn't know what that looked like. So mm-hmm. when you say that, are you kind of getting into feeling like success is more of a mindset or something that is decided or attained later? Are you saying that people are successful because they decide to be? 
Well, I think it's a both end. Um, I know I know for me, um, a lot of opportunities were afforded to me simply because of my character and what I represent. Um, so utilizing those opportunities to maximize um, new pathways and opening up new doors, et cetera. So uh, for like I said, for me, I never thought I would be where I am simply because it was not a career path at that time you know what I mean so thinking in that lens uh, I knew I was going to go to school because my dad told me look you either going to school or going to the military take your pick um, I knew and that you weren't going to the military you was too husky to go to the military <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. And that was before Husky was in style. So, you know what I mean? You're right. You're right. So I knew that I was going to go to school, but um, I was actually telling someone just yesterday, even in school, I didn't necessarily have to apply myself because school was easy to me. You know what I mean? I was the type of dude that would skip class, show up for the test, get an A or a B on the test. You know what I mean? Right. So some of that is just knowing how to move and shake in this system that's been set up around us and then utilizing that to work for us to to move forward. And everybody's not afforded that, but I think it's a mentality as well as utilizing the opportunities when given to maximize that. So, Hey, if I could, I'd like to piggyback off of that um, because the truth of the matter is, is what Lace just stated is, A lot of people don't know how to navigate systems. They don't know how to navigate mm-hmm. bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And most of life is navigating a system. So, you know, Mel was talking about, you know, when he went back to school in his late 20s, I'd argue that he had learned at that juncture how to navigate it. Remote. Let me take that back. He had learned how to ascertain a system and then defeat that system or conquer that system or master it. And so I was just like, you know, success is mastering the system. Some cats just know how to master the system of life and how to navigate it. And so once you learn one system, you know how to navigate another system. And so I think that, you know, one of the biggest barriers of success is, is, you know, problem solving. You know, you throw somebody a problem and they just don't know what to do. You know, whether it's navigating the IEP meeting for your kids or, mm-hmm. you know, you got uh, a, a, a horrible uh, um an, uh, an invalid charge in your car. Some people just don't know how to navigate that, and that's what keeps them from being successful. That's bro, real. Bro. I, that's real. I seen. Ahead, I seen. I seen somebody at the uh, pharmacy not how to order their meds. Like said, and, not and know how to order their meds. Don't they didn't know how to order their meds? Like they walked up to the pharmacy and was like, "Um, my mom called it in. I don't know what to do. So what? 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 I, what? What do you need from me?" And it was it was mind boggling, bro. I've been getting well. This is kind of talking negatively about my health. I've been getting meds for myself since I was about like sixteen. I was driving to CVS, like, hey, it, I, it's your boy. I need them two. In, I need them two inhalers. <laughs> hey, did you go to the joint across the Long John Silver's, bro? No, I went to the one that Yo. used to be right beside uh, Winn Dixie, that was in Ridgeway. Oh, where, where, and that was back when it was called Revco. That, that that's how old your boy is. You right. old, bro. Right. <laughs> Yo, dumb old. Troy said he was sixteen, going to pick up his own medication from the. Well, I'm the husky right. one. I'm the husky hey. one. Hey. Okay. <laughs> he had high blood pressure. He had hell. He had all the all the isms. Bro, I, I'm on four medications right now. I'm on vitamin D. I take two pills, so Pause. that's that's two. <laughs> Hey, I'm the only coming. person I know in their the 30s that got a Monday to Friday pill pack. D, 
the deficiency <laughs> that a majority of black people have because of our melanin. That's Joy, what I have to take first up on the floor. podcast. Talk, go ahead, man. But I'm go black, ahead, though. I'm black. <laughs> go ahead. So that I take uh, blood pressure because of family. It's their fault, not mine. All right, and, typical. Hypertension. Uh, and uh, asthma. So uh, your boy been getting <laughs> Lord have mercy, boy. Troy. My, my yeah, boy bro, you need to drink some, yo. His jeans. Hey, bro, you need to drink some alkaline water for that blood pressure, dog. You got you got to knock one of out. So okay, hey, yo, and, I, and, and and let's talk about this. And this actually brings up a good point. You know what talk what talks about a successful man, brother? I'm not sure about y'all, but have y'all noticed how many black men have been dying in their like fifties? Oh, yeah, just sure. just of recently yes. and um yeah. my homeboy who works out as if he's about to uh train for the olympics which he's not at all i'm like bro you got all the muscles you won there's no need for you to go to the gym anymore but he's like hey man you know i'm i'm doing this because i want to be able to play with my kids and be able to see them off to college and be able to play with my grandkids when they get old. And I was like, bro, yeah, when you put real, it like that, it's necessary. So one of the things that we we haven't really talked about in the past has been that a man has to be uh, one of, a, a, a part of a successful man is to maintain their health. Mm-hmm. And I don't That's think real. I don't physical and mental. I, bro, I was just about to say that I don't believe it's just physical. Physical is one part because, you know, hypertension is a, a big thing uh, amongst black men and things of that nature. But um, also prostate our, cancer. Prostate cancer. Yeah. I do not look forward to that check that I get when hey, I'm 50 years old. I, got, you know what I'm I saying? just got checked. I just got checked and I was violated. Most violated I've ever been in my entire life. I'm going I'm to let you. But hey, it's, a, it's a welcome violation when you are getting checked in that way. So, <laughs> hey, hey, you got to yeah, do what you so, got to do, bro. So did they go like which knuckle? How far of hey, the Troy, knuckle did? Hey, hey. So look, first of all, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> I, I can see, I can see Mel, I can see yeah. Mel B look back at it right now. Like, hey, did you look? So Mel, did you look back when he did that? Did you give him the look back, bro? Chill, yo. Mel, did you give him the look back when you did when he did it? <laughs> did you Chill, tip yo. him? I didn't, I didn't look. So here, so here's the thing, bro. First of all, I wasn't expecting nothing that went on. So when I was talking to my dad, my dad encouraged me. So I really owe a fade with my dad because he didn't want to put me in this situation. <laughs> so because prostate cancer has affected the men in my family heavily, I was like, I'm going to go earlier than the average person sure. so that I could okay. be ahead of the game. You. So I turned 35 and that's this what's year. Up. I said, I I'm going to take myself to the doctor. So I set up the appointment. And you know, I'm trying to be proactive. I got high hopes. I'm like, you know, I'm going to go twice a year. I ain't just going to be regular. I'm going to go twice. Most people go once a year on the annual. I said, I got to make sure I'm straight. I'm going to go twice a year. So I set it up for my birthday. Went. They was like, okay, you're going to get the physical. I was expecting the physical. They take my height, my blood pressure, my weight, all that. Everything looks good. Doctor come in. And they're like, I check me out, check me out. She's like, all right, I'm going to be right back so you can go ahead and change. I said, well, why I got to change? <laughs> she was like, <laughs> and she was like, well, you got to. <laughs> Yo, I was like, why I got to change to do the physical? She was like, well, you got to do your, we got to do your rectal examination, whatever, whatever. So she, she gave me the gown or whatever. I was like, oh, I got to put on the gown. Like, I really got to get undressed. And she like, yeah, go ahead, take off your clothes, put on the gown. So I was like, you want me to? Take off. All, I'm clarifying. I'm, like, I'm supposed to take off all my clothes because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to make sure. Nigga, like situation. I need to get naked. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she like, she like, yeah. So I'm like, all right. I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm getting undressed. I'm thinking. 
So I'm like, am I supposed to keep my drawers on? What? I don't know what I'm supposed to do at this point. I'm worried if my booty going to be ashy. I'm like, yo, is, is people in here? So so now I'm like in a situation. And uh, she come back, asked me if I was ready. So I, I still had the drawers on. I said, left the drawers on. Didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. She Melvin, was like, look, you just not going to a hole in them. Troy, yo, this one, it got worse, bro. She was like, "We is this going to be quick? We're going to get you to bend over, tuck your knees to your chest. We're going to get you out there like that, right? So, bro, I'm a grown man laying on a hospital bed with my knees tucked to my chest and my booty stuck out. So here's oh, why I'm already no. embarrassed because the doctor doing it. She called her assistant in the room to watch the procedure. So now I got two people in here watching me get, you know, violated. Now I'm uncomfortable hey. and embarrassed by the whole joint. So it's she's like, world, we just go make it quick. It's well worth it, bro. It's well worth it in the yeah, end because... So, if it could have turned out a totally different way. So it's, it's something that we have to go through to make sure we're good. Because I took mine with pride, bro. I was in that thing laid oh, no. up. Like, let's get it. Let's go. So I get it. <laughs> I get it, bro. But I took oh, mine with pride. So hey. two out of four have been violated already? Absolutely. I quickly realized I'm only going to go once a year. If that's the procedure, <laughs> I cut back to <laughs> I lowered wow. my ambitions. I went from twice a year to once a year. I said, I'm only going to do once a year if this is the process. Hey, I'm just going to die a real nigga, so <laughs> just remember me finally, bro. That's crazy. Hey, you got to go in there, bro. Go ahead and do it, bro. We can't be talking about but, being successful men and you ain't going to take care of your health, bro. So we talked about that. We talked about the physical health, but also the mental health is important, too, Absolutely. man, because um, one thing and I've and honestly, I've come to the point I've, I've went to counseling before. And uh, I'm coming to the point now. I think I need to go back again sure. just to be able to uh, just to iron out some of these wrinkles that uh, that I that I have. It's just attacking of my thoughts and my mind, and I, I need to be able to dump it off on somebody else so they can take care of it because I don't want to take care of it anymore. <laughs> that's um, so that's, that's facts, Troy. But I, I I honestly believe that that has been something that's been overlooked, and I believe also too. That part of our mental health is not just professional, but I think it's also done in community. Mm-hmm. And um, what we have right here is is something is some things that a lot of men don't have. Mm-hmm. They don't have the community to be able to like safe safe places and vulnerability with a brother that they respect and that mm-hmm. they know, and be able to just be like, "Hey, man, this is how I feel," and just 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 spill uh, and just spill it all out on the table. So. Yeah, I think though I think that's a, a, a one of the attributes of a, a successful man that that needs to be put out there that hasn't been actually um, considered over a, a bunch of years. And it's interesting yeah. that you say that because, uh, and I'm gonna let Lace get into it because it looked like he has something he want to say. But I, I just Life that kind of moves into my next point about um, identifying what does it take for a man to even have a shot at being successful. You know, like what does a man need in order to be successful? Um, so I'm a, I'm a, we can touch back on that. But I'm gonna let Lace go ahead and say what he was about to say. Yeah, yeah, no, I was just going going to commend Troy on you know addressing his mental health, and hopefully everybody um, listening and within our call will do so. I'm an advocate myself for uh, therapy, um, especially within the Black community. I know we have a certain stigma, and a lot of men do suffer in silence on a regular basis. Uh, but I am an advocate for. Um, mental health therapy, talking to somebody, getting what, cause we all, we all carry a burden, um, mm-hmm. and how we address that and find pathways to talk about it in a sound way. That's not 
this dysfunctional and dest- it destroys us because we can have a lot of vices, you know what I mean, whether it's drinking, smoking, whatever the case may be. Um, but those aren't pathways that necessarily address the issue. And having a sound pathway to engage from a mental health standpoint is is critical at this at this stage um, in our lives and in our society. So commend you, bro, for doing that. Let me uh, let me let me uh, ask you let me ask you this question, Lace. Uh, for those who are listening, Lace is a PK, aka he's a pastor's kid. Yeah. Uh, he leads uh, multiple quartets, and he wears suits with nine <laughs> buttons. Um, and he be stringing that bass too. Though. He be stringing up. that bass. I don't know if y'all know that, but he be up in that pulpit, <laughs> licking them strings, boy. So, um, with you being a big advocate, and you know, and I, I, I can safely say that for those people who are listening. Um, my three brothers on here we are active we're active men who are pursuing our faith um and uh however there's a conflict within not only in the uh black community but also in the christian community with the concept of counseling Mm -hmm. so i'm curious lace how do you reconcile the two and you know i'm saying and and bringing them two together because the the uh traditional black church goer would say hey man i'll take my burdens to the lord and he'll take mm-hmm. care of it for me so yeah. how do you reconcile that well the well the book that i read you know it says faith without works is dead so you know what i mean mm-hmm. with anything it is actionable so i could say i want a million dollars unless i'm doing something to actively obtain that then it's likely just not going to fall in my lap so same thing with mental health um and anything you, you want to build capacity, you want to build a muscle around it. So there is a stigma within certain communities around that, i.e., you know, the church community, et cetera. But I always tell folks, at the end of the day, you have to do what works for you. Um, and a part of that goes into the awareness piece, you know, knowing yourself, you know, having sound knowledge of what you're struggling with, what you're dealing with. Everything cannot be answered with prayer or going to a clergyman or woman to have those conversations. So I think that someone who is licensed to do and have these conversations that is sound in a theoretical framework um, yeah. can align with the things that we have learned and grew up on um, in the, the church slash Christian community, et cetera. So I think a, a lot of that boils down to self-awareness and putting some action behind how you are feeling and navigating that. Yeah. I definitely feel that lace. And I'm glad you said that because that was going to be one of the rebuttals that I had when you were suggesting that people talk to someone. I was going to recommend a professional a legitimate mm. professional, not somebody Absolutely. from around the way or somebody on whatever. And just for the record, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is not that ain't uh, it. <laughs> it's not an outlet. Um, Absolutely not. <clears throat> so uh, I just want to encourage people to stop with the um, either or and try and also. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's okay to pray and see a counselor. Like, it's Absolutely. okay to, you know, seek the face of the Lord and, you know, meet with someone. I, I don't think that um, if God didn't want us to do that, he wouldn't have put it in someone's heart to become a counselor. Let me just say mm-hmm. it that way. So mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, people need to stop with, uh, you know, just because I go to church, I can't go meet with a counselor, you know, all that jazz. So I, I definitely think that we have to get out of that. Um, I'm going to keep it a stack with you, bro. It, yep. it's, it is... There are there is difficulty in fighting that desire that as soon as you feel something like you just want to run to a social media and just let everybody know. Like, I don't know what it is. 
that that makes a person want to do something like that. But I just I I have to fight it sometimes, and I realize sometimes it really just me. I need to. I, I do need to write out how I feel, but some things that I need to write out how I feel doesn't need to be paraded in front of a whole bunch of people. Well, the thing is, that I, I really you know, believe so, that the need. Um, go, ahead, go ahead, Drew. I'll, I'll, I'll hop in after you. You know, I think I think we have to like be uh, to be real, and we have to double back. But to touch base on regards, um, you know, for a successful man, I think a lot of brothers in the faith um, have been indoctrinated with the belief that um, you know. Uh, counseling or therapy is secular in a sense and so if they subscribe to therapy you know then they are they have no faith but you know proverbs in the 11th chapter clearly states that you know say so when there is no guidance hey um, drew you know where there is yeah bro no man go ahead bro go ahead i know let him go ahead bro you you cut him off right in front of the scripture go ahead ahead, ahead, go ahead proverbs 11 talk to me doc (laughs) Talk to me. Hey, but you know, the eleventh chapter of Proverbs clearly states that you know where there's no guidance, a nation will fall. But if there's an abundance of counselors, there'll be safety. Mm. So there's more scriptural rever- uh, scriptural yeah. reverence to support yeah, yeah. someone going to seek counsel than it is for them to suffer in silence. And so you know, um, Paul clearly states you know before he Ooh. came to the faith he was fine, hey. but after he came to the faith that's when he started to struggle. And so. There's no Come reason on, to think that your Christian your Christian walk is going to um, endow you with this ability to um, circumvent struggle or strife. We all have a cross to carry, a burden to bear, and a struggle to surmount. And so um, we have to leave this uh, this this uh, this slave this slave master Christianity that leaves mm. us with no uh, with no substance. Um, but the truth of the matter is. In regards to what is being success, and I'll share, you know, a story. You know, I actively engage every Thursday in therapy because I believe that's what's going to make me successful. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I aspire to be a husband, I aspire to be a father, and I don't want my childhood trauma to impact those that I love. Hey, you know, even come uh, on, Drew, even in a professional sense or a personal sense. And so, you know, based off of my job, you know, I, you know, they were like, you know, how, you know, basically the conversation was about. You know, how do we get people in a place to go see their counselors? And I was like, well, you know, in a real sense, maybe we should be honest about our own personal struggles. And the reason why a lot of brothers don't share about their struggles and they suffer in silence, you know, 75 percent of all suicides are male and we are in Mm. the minority. And that comment about me, you know, being vulnerable at work about mental health counseling. You know, my boss made a comment to me, but I need to address my responses from a mental health perspective. So brothers suffer in silence because their vulnerability is weaponized against them mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the worst times. And so, you know, for us to be a success as a man, we have to have safe spaces like this for brothers to be able to hear the real, for brothers to be able to have an opportunity to speak truth to power about their struggles. You know, I even got a friend who uh, had his childhood robbed from him as a woman. And when he and his girl got into an argument, she used that against him. So where are we ever mm. going to be safe? There's no mm. safe space for a black man in America. That's it, bro. That's it. Come you on, Drew. On the head. You hey, hey. Uh, uh, I hate to shine <laughs> such a comedic light on that word that you just gave us. But uh, real talk, what's your cash app so I can sow a seed into your ministry? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what? 
<laughs> you can say that, Mel. You know why? Because Drew always do that to us. Whenever we say something, he's like, hey, man, when you going to start your church so I can start attending? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my, boy, my boy quoting scripture and, and, and speaking in parables said, on the, on the mic. Said, you got it about Proverbs, the 11th book. That's what that man said, the 11th book. But no, real talk, to, to piggyback on what Drew stated, um, the book also states, and I don't know the chapter and I don't know the book. Because uh, mine got it's a little the red dust words. on it. Check the red yeah, words. It's, it's, it's in got the red a little words. dust on it. Got a little dust on it. But it says seek wise counsel. So if I'm seeking wise counsel, that means for me to go above and beyond what I may already know. So yeah. you gotta you gotta be able to articulate and understand what the word is saying when you say seek wise counsel. That ain't me going to my pops or whomever. That's seeking someone who is trained, who has developed, who can handle this type of work. So yeah. And I think a part of the way of this, like determining who is wise counsel is looking at their lives and the decisions that they've made and like, hey, man, you make some good you make some good right. decisions. You know what right. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And because if if you can make some good decisions for yourself, then you can possibly impart something on me. And I know, um, you know, um, I have some friends who I love them and they have a whole bunch of things. They got houses. Uh, they even got families. I don't think they wise though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think they wise. I feel that because a successful man is not in the things that you obtain. I, I think that's one of the things that uh, attain. Uh, um, I think that's one of the things that uh Melvin even touched on a little bit earlier. Drew, can I let me let me? Uh, Drew said something um uh, in the midst of his uh sermonette that he gave a few minutes ago. Um, he he touched on. A man addressing his his trauma. Mm. So, Melvin, if I can, if I can, um, you know, also put this point in for what can makes for a successful man, I would say a man that can reflect upon um, the life that they've lived, the trauma, the instances, the, their history, and be able to call out, all right, this wasn't good, this was bad, I should do this. You know what I'm saying? Because although mama dad did this back in the day it doesn't necessarily mean that it's what needs to be going on uh moving forward so yeah no i definitely feel that uh and that's that's 100 percent. that's real um and it's it's crazy how y'all are kind of touching on on my points before we even get there but i had a you know a similar <laughs> a similar experience you know with drew because in my mid-20s i ended up you know going to counseling to uh, work on myself because I had a lot of, uh, as many people would know about me, uh, uh, anger problem. I had this really bad struggle with anger and that was the only mm-hmm. emotion I knew how to manifest, you mm-hmm. know, my feelings in. So no matter what it was, if it was, you know, hurt or actual pain or disappointment or whatever, it would just always showed up in anger. And I always tried to figure out, you know, where that came from. And a lot of it stemmed from, you know, things I experienced as a child, like, you know, stuff with, my relationship with my parents, with my, you know, my father and my mother and stuff like that. And I honestly, you know, and she, she probably going to listen to this, this episode one day and I don't, you know, want to slight her, but it's just, you know, I think my relationship with my mom impacted me more negatively, um, mm-hmm. you know, than, than with my dad. And it, it hurt me in a, in a way that it was making me, um, ineffective in my marriage, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that it was when I actually, you know, saw a counselor and stuff like that and, you know, dealt with those issues. It made me be able to uh, have a healthier marital relationship, you know, with my spouse 
<clears throat> in general and you know me and my mom have a great relationship now as well but i think if it wasn't for me having the self-awareness to be able to say you know something isn't you something isn't right about you know me there's something else that that's going on with me and i need to figure out what that is i think first having that self-awareness and then you know seeking wise counsel as y'all said you know to be able to deal with it and, and get over that hurdle so I, I definitely feel where drew is coming from and i, sh- I share in that experience as well so i'm gonna throw in you know one of my points as far as what does a man need um, in order to, to have a shot at even being successful. And I feel like a part of that is kind of what y'all touched on, and that's accountability. I think every man needs mm-hmm. to have some sort of accountability in his life to be successful, you know, in addition to, you know, having discipline and whatever area that means to you and uh, ultimately structure. I feel like all men operate better when there's some sort of structure about themselves. Mm-hmm. If there's, you know, a structured environment, whether that's family or the work, you know, any any place that you see an undisciplined man or something like that, his life structure is off, you know, or he doesn't have the right accountability. So, you know, to me, those are the three things that I think every man needs to have in order to be successful. So structure, you know, self-discipline, as difficult as that is to to achieve. And I don't think I've even mastered it all the way. I think every day I'm learning how to be more disciplined than yesterday. And then just accountability. So I feel like I'm really killing it in the areas of, you know, structure and accountability. But that discipline, you know, mm-hmm. that's 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 a that's a beast in itself, man. And I yeah. <laughs> I, I, I I struggle with that often. Well, okay. Real talk. One thing we do have to re- remember in this, um, when we talk about what the success look like. It's a continuum. You know, what I mean, it's not one of those things where we met the mark in this particular aspect that we need to work. Mm-hmm. It. It's a continuum. And I think that if we look at life and what we're striving for in that way we can find pathways where we aren't beating ourselves up on a regular basis because oh we didn't attain that goal or we aren't successful in this area it's it's like i said building that capacity building that muscle and with anything it takes practice so we have to be mindful and aware of that but also apply it in other aspects yo one of the things that i wanted to say was that i think that um maybe being missed is you know mel was talking about like accountability uh, Mel, Mel, what you say? You said accountability, self-discipline, and what was that? Structure. You know, I think one of the things that we miss is is that one of the reasons one is hard to define manhood, and the other reason why it's hard to define success um, in that arena is because we don't have a lot of roadmaps. You know, like we just don't. Um, I look at my dad, somebody who sacrificed himself for the sake of the family. You know, and it's hard to even say now. You know, his body is falling apart, you know what I'm saying? Like just mm-hmm. from, you know, the mileage of him doing everything for everybody. And so it's hard to have structure if for whatever reason you didn't have a strong father presence. And it's hard to have accountability because how do you even know, you know, what that looks like? And so I think one of the reasons uh, a barrier for success is is not having a proper vetting process for like a mentor or whatever the case may be. So, yeah. you know, like Troy is vetted. You know, I, I make the joke to Troy all the time. He kept me from joining the nation of Islam. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's because, you know, I saw how he, you know, valued himself, how he valued his wife, this, that, and the third. You know, uh, LaShan is very career savvy. You know what I'm saying? He knows what to do, whatever the case may be. Master delegator. in that piece. Master Master, delegator. Hey, bro, when I'm at work, bro, when I'm at work and I'm telling people what to do, I'm accessing my inner (laughs) lace, bro. This is where you win at. I know your skills and your abilities. You don't need to be doing no budgets. You need to be out here planning this event. Lace, delegating. Lace, you need to turn me on, bro. I need, I need to, I need to. I got you. I got you. Hey, Troy, he'll get you, bro. He'll get you right, bro. (laughs) 
He'll get hey, you, you right, you'll bro. Be, you'll be doing something and won't even know you're doing it, man. That's, that's what <laughs> hey, it is. Won't even know you're doing it, bro. Hey, he gonna, <laughs> hey, you gonna be boosted up the entire time you doing. You don't know what you're doing, bro. Yo, Troy, he Troy gonna boost told, you the entire Troy time. Told Troy, Lace will gas you up to the point where you doing something that you know you can't do, but but, but because he telling you that you can do it, you out there looking crazy. You think you could do it, real talk. man? I, I I need to, yeah, man. I teach me, teach me your ways. I feel it. I feel it. But a piece that um, that Drew alluded to as far as, you know, moving and shaking and how we um, can infuse a lot of this. I remember very distinctly uh, when I graduated high school, um, like I told you all, my pop said it's either college or the military. And he was like, you know, if you don't go down this pathway, the world has ways to make you fall in line and mm, be mm, um, mm. and be disciplined and be uh, these things. And we see that when we see the population that is locked up, um, individuals that go in and they come out very institutionalized, et cetera. And that's why, to Drew's point, I always have respected individuals in the Muslim community, in the nation community, because they operate on nothing but discipline. And that's something that across the board, although we don't align from a theological standpoint, uh, their discipline is always there. They all, they're always following a path that has been laid out for them, as Drew also mentioned, a roadmap. Um, and that's something that we have to create for ourselves uh, to follow that path if we're looking for discipline to be an aspect of success and what we're striving for. Most definitely, brother. So I think... Um Number one, this is interesting. And I had another segment that I wanted to get into tonight, but this I feel like this conversation is getting deeper. So I actually want to stay on this and not necessarily move into that other topic because there's been some things said tonight that I think, you know, we can dive deeper into. And one of those things um, hits closely to home to me because Drew was talking about how, you know, his dad sacrificed certain things or Lace talked about how his dad made certain sacrifices to align them in terms of success and stuff like that. But how or have y'all experienced and i'll tell y'all my experience to see if y'all experience the same way how do you deal with um daddy's vision of success for you if it's not necessarily your vision of success for yourself and Mm. um, i say that because i think for for the men who you know who do have fathers and it's not a slight to anybody who doesn't just saying for the men who do have fathers and then me being a father um i think all dads have this vision of what they want their sons to be like or how they want them to be and usually that vision is kind of just a mini version of themselves and Mm. uh a lot of the time when i was younger i felt like my dad was grooming me for his version of success Mm. uh which was opposite of what I necessarily wanted to do so it kind of changed how I acted so you know um, I left home when I was 17 I turned 18 in college so I left home at 17 and went to college and you know because of my childhood and the way I grew up I didn't really know how to handle that much autonomy I didn't know how to handle that much freedom Uh so I didn't really do my part to go to class or doing stuff that was you know people were supposed to be doing everybody else is going to class or I would go, but I wasn't paying attention. Or I'd be, you know, in a lunch hall or whatever. Like, I was always doing the extracurricular activities, but I won't do none of the school, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, after the first semester, they was like, yo, you know, we're going to put you on this academic probation. If you don't get your act together in the second semester, you know, you know the rest of the story. So, second semester came, and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to get on. I'm going to get on. I'm going to try to do, you know, better or whatever. And then halfway through the semester, I started to feel more and more like, yo, I don't. I don't know what I want to do with life, but I don't know if this is it. Like, I don't know if college is it, you know, so I stopped taking it as seriously. And, you know, uh, 
as easy to do when you ain't the one paying for it. <laughs> you know, right, I right, won't right, pay right. for it. So That's I wasn't, real. you know, like taking advantage of the opportunity. And by the time the semester ended, you know, uh, I was like, I ain't show up to none of my exams. I ain't do none of the stuff I was supposed to do. So I basically end up getting uh, like 16. I had 16 credit hours second semester. I got all F's in the second semester. And uh, the school was basically just like, you know, be on your way. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, you don't take this seriously. You know, we just going to let you exit that way or whatever. And at first, you know, I really won't think about it. It's like, all right, whatever. I ain't want to do that anyway. You know, so it don't, you know, don't bother me. But I didn't think about what the repercussion was when I was going to get home. You know, your parents going out of their way to sacrifice and drop that bread for you to go to school. And then you don't Mm -hmm. do what you're supposed to do. Um, So when we got back to the house, I tried to hide it for as long as I could hide it because parents didn't really have access to grades. You know, back then they had to wait for that letter in the mail. Um, (laughs) So, you know, when that when that letter came uh, and my my pop saw all them F's, you know, and he, you know, felt how he should feel rightfully. So as a parent felt how he should feel, you know, I kind of was still like nonchalant about it, like, you know so what like that's your vision that's not my vision and so he asked me what my vision is and i'm like yo i'm 18 i don't know i don't know mm-hmm. yet you know but I, I don't think it's college so he basically gave me the ultimatum to every i feel like every black father gives a kid you either go go to the military or you go you know go to school or whatever so you know i chose neither two i said well if that's how it's gonna be i'm gonna just get out <laughs> i mm-hmm. i legit i have nowhere to go i have no plan i have no money or nothing like that but i was like I ain't going to no no military. I, I don't want nobody telling me what to do. I don't even know if I'm built for that lifestyle. And I definitely know I can't go, you know, go back to college. So I packed up what I had. My little, he, and my dad made it very clear. He was like, take everything that you bought on your own and leave everything that I bought here. Uh, so, <laughs> so I had what, a, a couple pair of J's, some clothes, uh, clothes in the trash bag. And I trucked my way, you know, and ironically took myself back to Lynchburg, Virginia for whatever reason i didn't know you know enough people there uh but i sur- survived it obviously uh, because i'm here talking about it but it's just like what at what point do you determine success for yourself or when or when do you realize that maybe i'm just living mm-hmm. up to someone else's version of success That's because real. That's you real. know i i realized and ironically i turned into all the stuff that my dad wanted me to be anyway so it was almost like i should have just did <laughs> You know, did it his way to start, <laughs> right? Hey, real right. Talk, real talk, but I think I think one thing that we have to realize is that everybody's pathway is not straight and narrow. You know, what I mean, some of us take right. a, a curvy road to get there. Um, I can speak for myself. My dad never really stated, um, you know, I wanted you, I want you to go into ministry or anything like that. I mean, I would always hear people say, "Oh, you got a calling on your life. You go be preaching. You go be doing this and doing that." And y'all who know me intimately know that that is not anything <laughs> that I ever desire. Um, I know, I know. How to do church, you know what I mean? I've seen it, I know how to do church, etc. Um, but for me, I had to come to the realization that what I'm doing is ministry, it's just not the traditional route um, right, that right, most right. people mm. see, you know, in, inside of an edifice. Uh, so I think that it's marketplace ministry, exactly. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, it's truly, it is definitely ministry, but I found myself being able to touch more lives and to have more impact 
in the in the streets, you know what I mean, in the world. Because I mean, a lot of my good friends were hustlers. You know what I mean? I learned I learned a lot of life lessons from from hustlers and how they got down, how they move and shake, and how they were able to connect with people, have conversations with individuals who, you know what I mean, they would never you would never really see them in the mix like that. So when I go into a boardroom at this point, that's truly what it is. You got to have a certain sense of hustle about you, a certain sense of acumen where you can talk the talk, but also walk it. So I think for me, um, my pops never put pressure on me in that way. But it was like, you know, this is a formula and how you can attain that. But it wasn't a I was not I was never put in a box. And I'm grateful to my folks uh, for that. They let me wild out. They let me make mistakes. They let me, you know, what I mean, do things that. Um, in a traditional sense, people would frown upon, but that's what I needed to do to learn and to navigate that aspect. So both of you got the either school or military um, call. Do y'all think that was that's a fair option to give to a child? Uh, I, and I and I don't I don't know if it is. But to me, it sounds like it might be good. You know, so you got to do something with your life. Sure. So. Is it, I think but the it, word choice fair is subjective because if you ask like my folks are my dad is 65 and my mom is 61 for them. What else are you going to do other than go to uh, war for Uncle Sam or go to college? Because that's mean, all like, they knew. That's, all, that's they knew. all they knew. That, yeah, yeah. That's why that's why we don't have any black artists, you know, like no more Basquiat's or anything like that, because either you're going to punch a clock or you're going to go to the military. So because I got the same thing and I already knew what it was. I wasn't built for the military. So. I found myself at Lynchburg College and kept on moving. <laughs> hey, I won't build. I won't build for the military at all, bro. And when my life started going downhill and it was looking like I, I was struggling, I couldn't figure out no finance. I was like, well, at least I know if I join the military, I'm gonna have money and benefits, right? <laughs> right. So I drove over. And a char- a charge I drove over to the recruiting office, like legit, <laughs> legit, bro. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just learn. I'm gonna get over it. I'm gonna do it. I drove over to the little office, bro. I ain't even going to lie to you. Couldn't even get out the car. My hands started sweating as soon as I got in the parking lot. I said, God don't want this for me. He, he don't want this for me. My he hands said, God don't already. want this for me. Yeah, he don't want it for me. So I'm gonna just, I just go ahead and drove off. I never looked back. After that, I was like, if I'm already here, this has got to be the lowest is low for me. If I'm coming over here knowing how I feel about it. So I was like, after that, bro, I'm, I'm just making a change. And, uh, yeah, you know, I did yeah. that. But, you know, that was, that, that was definitely... Um. Yeah, that was that was definitely a hit piece for me. But that goes back to the awareness piece. Some of us have to learn from failure to be aware. Okay, this is not what I want for myself. This is yeah. not the pathway I see. Um, and you course corrected, and you made a different. You made it created a different pathway for you. So again, I mean, same same aspect for me. I mean, could I have gone to the military and been? Six? I mean, absolutely. I mean, I grew up in a military household, so. Uh, for me, it was never the physical piece. It was also always the mental uh, development and navigating that. So uh, I think I, to answer your question, Troy, um, I don't think that it's a fair assessment. Um, but I do think for what individuals that grew up in that particular time frame knew, that's really what it was. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the option that they gave. But luckily, I was able to, you know, create a pathway through obviously help mentorship development etc uh, and opportunity to to shift that you know to uh, keep it a hundo thigh while with you i should have done the reserves why the once a month you was gonna pull up once a month on them <laughs> hey bro i seen a cat when, when i was working at luo bro he got a ba and ms 
and his doctorate for the free ski, bro. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. all he did was go every month, no, do a bro, little push-ups, that's how, that's and how kept they get on you, moving. Bro. No, that's how they get you. I know some people who was in the reserve supposed to be doing that two-weekend, one-weekend deal and was over in Iraq for 18 months, bro. Yeah, I'm like, that one weekend turned into war real quick. So I was like, yeah, no, nah, bro. Yeah. My, my uncle got shipped of off. My uncle, who is in the reserves, he got shipped off to Siberia. Uh, one of them places um, out in the middle of nowhere, um, and I, I let me and let me even I wanted to say this too about the whole option piece, ha, um, and kind of backtracking a little bit, and I'll bring you up to speed. Uh, one of the things that they say about discipline in the households, like the reason why um, a lot of our parents may have went the um, uh, the discipline of physical discipline back in the day or just yelling at us and they didn't actually like pull us aside hey do you know what you did wrong like they didn't take that time because they didn't really have time they were True. coming home from work they were tired and they was just like hey you need to get your you know you know what i'm saying they just they just yelled at us they beat us uh to to discipline us they didn't actually get a chance to train us and you know all, all that type of stuff and I'm curious as to, and, and it's mainly because they worked all the time. Um, and I'm curious, what would it have been like if our parents, you know, weren't in a position where they had to work all the time, where they can sit and help us develop the skills and and figure out like the things that were good about us, um, like our skills and stuff like that, so that we can be able to um, find out what we, what we wanted to do when we became adults. And I knew it was really easy for like people in the church to say, "Hey, you gonna easily be a pastor, or you you know you could they you can develop your skills in the church house." Mm-hmm. Well, ain't that funny? You could develop your skills in the church house. Your speaking, uh, your ability to speak, your ability to play an instrument. Uh, to read text out loud and stuff like that. <laughs> but no one actually like, like I, I don't know about y'all, but my parents weren't able to like sit down and talk to me and be like, hey, let's talk about careers and what what potentially like you could do. Because be quite honest with you, don't that I don't even think they wanted to talk about work to be because they didn't like it. Right, you know they right. they was coming home they was coming home from working. The, um, I'm angry. not sure about y'all's parents, but no, my angry. yeah my. My parents worked. Um, my my mom and my grandma they worked um, in the um, factories, mm-hmm. and so you know what I'm saying. All I do is you know I sew pillows. I, I put this in a box and stuff like it's like, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's real. That's real. Um, for for me, my my people's worked all the time. I mean, my dad has been a pastor my whole life. He's always had a a, a job working, you know, for the U.S. Postal Service, etc. Uh, my mom always worked in the hospital system, so. Um, I saw the grind. I saw the hustle, but I also saw the fruits of that labor. Um, and I saw that, OK, they, they really affecting people in a positive way. So yeah. I always knew that I would be in some kind of realm like that. But I mean, to this day, my folks couldn't even tell you what I do on a day to day basis, not because they don't know, but because of the aspect of the work. It's just very foreign to them. Um, yeah, so being able, to, facts, being able to being able to explain facts. that in a way like, OK, yeah, I, this is what I they know that, you know, I'm a vice president or whatever the case may be. But as far as what's in my portfolio, what I do on a day to day, they couldn't tell you. They couldn't um, tell you. But they did. They know that the title sounds like success and they know that I'm handling my handle in that way. So they know you're doing something. Right. Right. You know right. I mean? they, they know I'm not doing something to end up in jail. Or, you know what I mean? Something <laughs> crazy. So, um, and, and you ain't out here sucking aspect, it for money. 
Right. You know, from their aspect, that is success. You know what I mean? So I think you also have to look at the mindset and how we were raised and why we were raised that particular way. Because having a roof over your head, having food on, um, on the table, clothes on your back, the, that was an aspect of success for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Slavery. Bing, I mean, hey, bingo, bingo. Uh, so basically, you know, um, we pretty much agreed in so many different ways that structure discipline and accountability is pretty much the three the three keys because everything that we've talked about tonight can kind of fall under one of those you know umbrellas and you know i'll say for me and then we can we can look to close it out because we running low on time but um success for me has started to manifest itself a lot more now um than it had when i was younger and i say that i'm more proud of what i'm doing now um, than what I was doing previously. And I know like my dad and, and everyone was happy before about, you know, my, well, my dad would have been happy as long as I went to school. That's all he ever talked about. Go to school, get your education, da, 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 whatever, whatever. So when I did all that, he started to be more proud, more happy about me seeing me as successful. But for me, success for me has always been being able to elevate and get to where I want to get to without having to change. You know, um, I've stayed mm. myself. I've stayed true mm-hmm. to myself every step of the way. I haven't code switched. I haven't tried to be somebody different just to be able to take that next step. I didn't want to have nothing in this world if it meant that I couldn't be myself. And yeah, uh, I yeah. think what I'm most proud about is the fact that I've been able to do what I'm doing or make it as far as I've made it in my career, you know, in my life, you know, with sleeves and with used to be dreads and with all these things that people used to say like oh you can't have that to to get a job or you can't you know do that and look this way or you know you might want to turn your personality down a little bit if you want to you know whatever and i kept all that thing you know i kept all those things about me and i still did it anyway so i still did it my way you know so i settled a long time ago that it might take me a little bit longer to get to where i'm going because of how i want to get there but i'm gonna get there so that's what it is you know mindset bro that's what it is. And that's success. Um, that That is truly success. I told um, president of the institution that I work at just today, I was like, you know what? Uh, a wise man once told me, I don't dance unless I like the music and I don't scratch unless I itch. Come that's on, what ladies. it is. You know what I mean? Being who you are, being true to yourself, standing on something. And that's why I say awareness is a major key to that because you got to know what, what you stand for. You know what I mean? And if you don't, then you'll find your ways, you know, navigating the ebbs and flows of life and feeling like you haven't accomplished anything. So that's truly a part of it. You know what I mean? And how you can apply it to your day to day. Melvin, before we before we get out, I, I, please let me say this. And I, I would love to get y'all's feedback on this. Um, I think also a part of a man's success is realizing, uh, like what Lay said, is realizing what is success for you. Correct. I'm not. I'm not sure about y'all, but I have a very bad problem of looking out at the people around me and mm. seeing, like, classifying them as being successful. And then I look at myself and I disqualify myself from the things that I'm doing because I'm not doing what they doing. Right. I'm, I'm right. not. I'm not. A, I'm not a VP like Melvin is. I'm not making uh, eight figures like um, like Melvin is or um, claiming. You know what I'm saying? I'm claiming it. Oh, thank you, Troy, for throwing it out there. I'm playing. Hey, Shando, Shando. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I'm I'm not managing big funds like like Drew, or I'm not a VP like Lace. So you know, and because I'm not doing it like them, then you know, I must you know I must not be doing it. And so I've had to come to realize, okay, but that's success for them. 
what is what does it look like success for for myself because if i keep aiming for their success then i'll never be uh my the void in my life will never be fulfilled Real rap. That, that's real. That's real. I, I recall, and I know we've been talking about parents a lot and, you know, our upbringing and those types of things, but I recall very distinctly, you know, my pops would, and my grandfather, uh, God rest his soul, he would always say, "Be." Who, it's terrible English. He would always say, be who you is, not who you is ain't. Terrible English. <laughs> but, it, but if you apply that, real talk, real talk, you got to look at it from your, from your mirror, man, from your mirror and say, this is what it looks like for me. This is what I'm aiming and striving for. And that's why a lot of people, when I tell them, like, I ain't on social media like that. You know what I'm saying? They'd be like, well, why ain't you on social media? Because for what? I don't need to be looking through a, a, a window of other people's lives and trying to Yo, take that type real. of thing on. You know what I mean? So I'm in my lane. I'm doing what I do. And that's that. You know what I mean? Man, so I, I think that's another I ain't there yet. I, I, I ain't piece. there yet, Lace. I ain't, I ain't there yet, man. I, I, I don't know if it's because of the space I work in or what, but I'm, I'm always on social media, man. I, my two top most used apps is Instagram and TikTok. Um, don't don't judge me. I'm surprised it ain't Twitter, but you know what I'm saying. No, it used to be, but Twitter didn't turn into Facebook, man. All the Facebook people done came over to Twitter now. That joint getting kind of whack. So, you know, I, Instagram for the most part. Uh, I think I'm high key addicted to that joint, but uh, to be honest, because every time I pick up my phone, that's like the first thing I go to. You know, if not, I know messages. why you so addicted to Instagram, to, but I'm gonna pray for you. Hey, bro, man, I might don't but, don't put my business all out there like that. I oh, feel no. it. I feel it. I feel it. Uh, but, but, to that, but to that point, man. But to that point, you have to be mindful and cognizant about what you're feeding into yourself, and a lot of that is just truly smoke and mirrors. You know what I mean? So if you can delineate the two, then I think it's a great tool. What you eat. You know what I mean? It's a great tool. But if not, like so many people that we have seen struggle with that, they are truly living their lives vicariously through other people and they don't even know who they are. So I think that's just something for consideration. Not saying that it's a bad, you know, route for me. Um, it's just not something that I have ever been into like that. But for others, it's all about how you use it and how you apply it. I definitely yeah. felt hey, that. Man, and there I are, are clinical diagnoses. Um, go ahead, Mel. I was just going to say I, I, I feel laced and I was just going to say I knew I had a problem when I uh, started to type out arguments in shade room comments. When I started adding comments to shade room posts, I was Melvin. like, you know what, I'm, I, I'm too old for this. Like, I, Melvin, I no you should being. not be arguing in shade room. No, I don't, room, I don't argue. I don't argue. What I'm saying is I started to type it and then I realized what I was doing. I'm like, am I really putting a comment in, in the shade room right, right. now? So I, I was right. like, you know what? I got, I got a problem, so I've been trying to dial it back. But Drew, man, go ahead and go ahead and bless us with a word, man, so I could close this out of here, man. Nah, man. All I'm gonna say is, is that um, I, I I'm with Lace, bro. You know, their clinical diagnosis is for mental health conditions based off the uh, invention of social media. And what cats don't realize, people say all the time, why is social media free? That's because we the product. Mm-hmm. Correct. You know, yeah, you have it. You know, yeah, you have it. and they and they're using us to be able to frame, you know, what we see. So, man, you know to encapsulate everything you know this is my final word for everybody cat i used to teach with he told me success for him was to be able to walk his daughter to school every day mm. change my mind he ain't say cars he ain't say women he ain't say jewelry i want to be able to walk my daughter to school every day tell her i love her tell her she can do anything and then walk her back to the crib so success for you is what it is for you not anybody Correct. else that's it man that's real rap. I felt that 100 um, percent. And it sounds like your man's already knows, you know, like what success is for him. And he kept it simple, straight to the point. And uh, I, I definitely can feel that and relate to that. Uh, so with that being said, 
I'll leave us with this. Um, success is what you make it. The world will tell you uh, that success is one way. The people that's closest to you will tell you it's another. Uh, but ultimately, you have to decide for yourself what that is. You know, and you may not have all the answers right now, but eventually you'll get to it. And once you figure out what that thing is, you know, I would just, you know, challenge and encourage each of you to, you know, attack it with reckless abandon. Uh, stick to that discipline that we talked about. And, you know, as the great Nipsey Hussle once said, life is a marathon and not a sprint. Uh, so if it does take you a little bit longer to get to, you know, uh, determining what success looks like for you, that's all right. Whatever it takes, um, just keep moving in that direction. So this was great, man. Uh, I really enjoyed this, uh, you know, this episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. We didn't really get to touch on everything that I wanted to touch on tonight, which is fine uh, because I really felt like we we kind of dug deep into the subject and there was a lot of good you know, information for other people. But it also allowed us to kind of dig deep about ourselves. So, you know, going into next week, I really like to uh, get into some of the other things that we didn't get to talk about tonight. And I'm really excited to hear what y'all have to say and really hear your feedback, especially Drew, uh, because I know that he's going to have a lot to say. And next week, we're going to be getting into uh, celebration and toleration of men. Uh, are men appreciated or are we just tolerated? You know, are we celebrated for the good things that we do or bad things that we, you know, may avoid or are we just tolerated? And I really would be interested in hearing what y'all have to say about that. So uh, tune in next week. Uh, we're going to be getting these episodes all weekly, as we said. So like, subscribe, follow, um, get at us on Instagram at Manly D's Podcast. And until next time, we out.